April 2nd, 2000. Thousands of men saw themselves in Rob from High Fidelity. Dozens of men realized that was a bad thing. Pink picked up a bottle of hair dye and a pop career was born. One wonders if she would have been as popular had she gone with her initial color choice, Doo Brown. The Microsoft Corporation was found guilty of violating antitrust laws, forever saving Americans from having to worry about the power of big tech. Meanwhile, in Anaheim, California, four superstars and four McMahons faced off for control of the WWF at WrestleMania 2000. Get in the ring, my cheesy little friend. This is Hell in a Cell Phone. Welcome to another episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later. I'm your host, Aaron Benoit, joined as always by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Hello, 2000. (laughs) And experiencing this all for the first time, Eric Silver. Happy to be on the podcast with episodes as long as it takes us to set up for the podcast uh, (laughs) due to technical issues. Yeah, give a little peek behind the scenes there. And also going on this weekend in 2000, uh, Aaron Brockovich was the number one movie. Also opening ride, The Road to El Dorado and The Skulls. I never saw The Skulls. Did it have them uh, jerking off on Geronimo's corpse? That was every scene, yeah. <laughs> um, I actually, I did see The Skulls. It was basic. Uh, what do I remember of it? Was there mind control involved in the skulls? That was disturbing behavior. Shit. Then I did see the skulls. Maybe which one had Joshua Jackson? Both of them. Fuck. <laughs> Never mind. I think Joshua Jackson was in disturbing behavior, right? I know. Uh, jo- uh, I almost said Joey Lauren Adams. What was her name? Wait. Joe uh, Pacey. Well, he. Katie he Holmes. Was, Katie Holmes was Joey, right? Yes. Sorry, we were saying. Uh, okay. I believe. We were, we were trying to figure out who was in the skulls. I think, is her name just Joey, <laughs> Joey we're real We're real up on it. No, um, God damn it. Katie, Katie Holmes. Okay. No, she was in Disturbing Behavior. Joshua yeah. Jackson was in the skulls. Joshua Jackson, I also think might have been in Disturbing Behavior, no? I'm, I'm not sure. I think so. This is a real who's on first, also, huh? Also, I, I, I often confuse in my head Disturbing Behavior with Teaching Mrs. Tingle. Oh yeah, the the that one got pushed back though, right? Because of uh, is Columbine? that the one where Joshua Jackson sleeps with the teacher, or is that just Dawson's Creek? <laughs> uh, um, okay, disturbing behavior had that song "Got You Where I Want You" by the Flies, which um, I know is kind of a silly song, but I like it. No, that's a and good I song. Think, and I think didn't disturbing behavior also have flagpole Sitta? At least in the trailer, it did. I never actually saw disturbing behavior, but it was definitely in the trailer. I think I saw it. First of all, the stirring behavior. <laughs> I know I saw the video. I have seen the stirring behavior several many times. Uh huh. One because there's like a hot locker shower scene. I want to say, <laughs> but also uh, because it is just like one of those. It's good. I like it. I like this. You guys know I don't like scary, but I do like sexy teen scary. <laughs> um, so it's like a very there's sure. like, it's not as uh, scary, but uh, I, get, I still get my thrills. Uh, and there was like a whole rash of these because it was disturbing behavior, teaching Mrs. Tingle. Um, so what about like uh, what about the screams or the faculty? Yes, 
the faculty, that's the one I was thinking of. The faculty, Mm -hmm. uh, Scream, I Know You Did Last Summer, Urban Legends, like, those are the ones that have, like, a little bit of camp. They have, like, some camp to them. So Mm -hmm. Scream, the the, the, the upper horror ones are, were tougher for me, of course. Right. Sure. The thing with the disturbing behavior was it was a little bit like, like, um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but without That was the faculty. Right. Oh, That's what oh, I keep right. confusing. Those are the ones I keep confusing in my mind. Um, disturbing behavior, disturbing behavior is kind of like the Stepford Wives, I think, but with teenagers. Okay, yeah, but you know, like I guess what I was getting at was it's a it, they're like a you know paranoid thrillers, mm-hmm. right? Where you're like every like something has gotten to people, and like I can't let it get to me. Hence, you know, society. Hence, why when the uh, producers of that heard the line "paranoia, paranoia, everyone's coming to get me" in the, the Harvey Danger line, it was like, we got our trailer. Yeah, this is about us. Uh, musically, anyway. musically that weekend or that month, we had the release of Flogging Molly's Swagger. Uh, we have the votes that we have the facts and we're voting yes by Death Cab for Cutie and Stomping Ground by Goldfinger, thus beginning the decline of Goldfinger. Those were all things. All right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The only the only thing I had to hang on that was uh, I recently watched an episode of Fixer Upper and uh, the bassist from Goldfinger, who I guess is also the lead singer of MXPX was on uh, Fixer Upper with his like wife and daughter, and they like bought a really small house in Waco, Texas, and fixed it up. Why do I always feel like the guys in MXPX are going to forever be in eleventh grade? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, though, honest to God, uh, topical humor. Uh, my release radar lately has been giving me a lot of. reimagined tracks by the juliana theory (laughs) okay which if you guys remember was like a peak emo band from around this time period uh with like album and song titles like emotion is dead if i told you this was killing me would you stop uh so on and so forth um and they're like redoing those their hits as like acoustic dad rock and it's bad I don't know. Nobody asks for it. Nobody wants it. It's, and yet it just keeps showing up in my release radar, and I just I just keep texting it to Glennie, and that's just I don't know what else to do with it. <laughs> I think you've you figured it out, and but you keep listening, so they're gonna keep giving it to you. I know that's that's the rub. I'm like, well, now I'm curious, but I'm like, but if I start listening to it, I'm going to get more. Like clicking play is like essentially consent in this in this scenario. Yeah the 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 algorithm is is invading. It's, it's continuous consent because you're kicking, you're clicking play every song. So they're like, they're, they're, they're still checking in with you. That's some real disturbing behavior, Bobby. Ayo. And that brings us back. <laughs> um, disturbing behavior. And finally, uh, the week after WrestleMania 2000 on SNL, we had the more cowbell sketch. So we're really wow. getting into um, like the peak resurgence of SNL. You've got the early years. You've got the 90s with Sandler and Myers and, and all of them. And then the early 2000s, I feel like, was the last gasp of real SNL relevancy. But we all still watch every now and then just for reasons. Um, I actually found if I don't, it makes me happier. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. But it's important that we bring up Saturday Night Live because... In the buildup to WrestleMania 2000, we had The Rock's first hosting appearance on the venerated program. Oh, how'd he do? 
he did really he he did well um i mean the the opening sketch is or the the opening monologue we had all four members of the fatal four-way from uh the wrestlemania show and obviously some did better than others triple h did this this corny shit where he's like i I just tonight i just want to say break a leg man it's like oh god you fucking cornballs um but uh there was a mr peeper sketch i still remember um there was uh not a lot of ones that kind of leaned into like the i'm gonna beat you up humor which i really appreciated i remember specifically after this um an aunt of mine who watched saturday night live religiously um, calling me and being like, wow, I didn't expect anything from The Rock. This guy kind of like, he's got something. And I think that that's a, a big deal as far as kind of the opening of the WWF into this more mainstream audience and having this more Aaron, mainstream appeal. Aaron, you truly are related to the main, to mainstream America. That's like, the, <laughs> that's the funniest anecdote i've ever heard like hey you know this uh rock fella he's got some legs you know i think i might want to see some movies if he were to star in them yeah i mean i think the rocks snl appearance and the movie the rundown are the two things that that are most responsible for kind of like the the burgeoning career that he's or the the, the career that he had because it certainly was not wrestlemania 2000 I'm very curious to hear what you guys think about this because I first of all, uh, we finally broke through the two hours forty five minutes barrier. When and it was when I saw the three hour ten minute mark on this, I first of all I re- I remembered that this is not a good WrestleMania, and and honestly, was fourteen good? Did we like fourteen when it came to the? I'm trying to remember because fifteen has a lot of bad. 13 is universally regarded as bad. Have we had a good WrestleMania in the Attitude Era? I'm thinking, and I am... I always remember not liking them, but the ones that we've seen. Mm-hmm. So, But, I, you know, I can't remember fully. You guys are biggest. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not ready. I can't come down one or the other. I have to go back and re- check the records. I have to go back and reflect. <laughs> And this one, I mean, it, it was a bad omen when rather than like a, this overblown narration, it just starts with shots of downtown Anaheim. Oh, yeah, that metropolis. <laughs> By the way, uh, the runtime was three hours, 18 minutes. You uh, you shaved a little, uh, unless you stopped eight minutes early, which honestly you could have. <laughs> um, but holy, yeah, uh, there were like four intros for this, weren't mm-hmm. there? Also, you can kind of tell when a... Uh, um, when when a, a WrestleMania is not really gonna hit the hit the bar when Lillian Garcia is the featured national anthem, like they didn't even show like the pat. You know they were like you know in the past ones it's been like Ray Charles and Aretha Franklin and then they're like Lillian Garcia. Okay, you mean the girl who just works every Monday with you? And you know what? I was gonna dunk on Lillian Garcia with for this too, but I actually thought she did a pretty good job with the anthem. I was a little bit more confused though about her dress. Uh huh. Uh huh. With like a see-through midrip and then a see-through upper leg area, but like not yes. like completely see-through. It just wanted to make those areas darker. It just well, she of... heard that stripes stripes makes you look thinner. 
it just sort of reminded Sorry, me of something say? you would buy from like um not an actual sex shop but a sexy <laughs> shop you know what i mean yes like not a shop that actually <laughs> would be like here's like a stainless steel prostate massager but one that would be like ooh, edible underwear you would get as like a gag gift for a bachelorette like that it seems like she would, like and they sell like robes that are like feathered and you know what i mean see-through i feel like she just got that there and was like yes this is high glamour um I, yeah it seemed like uh like the dress that natalia would buy for her uh for for a friend's wedding yes wow that is a very natalia dress you're right she always picks the worst shit um but with, okay but I with cat ears because it's she... fun yeah right, <laughs> right uh make it the challenge of this is make it cat ears um I will say I I did think Lillian Garcia did okay. I thought some of her choices on like where to go with the notes and you know like every once in a while you get you get somebody who sings the national anthem and they like like they go in a different direction with like um home of the like brave you know like they go in a different place Perfect and I just pitch. my note was what's that thank you my note was I'm up here you're done here <laughs> Um, you know, she just made some choices. Uh, they were fine. It was a little like, you know, she had her own like Lillian Garcia flourishes on the on the anthem. But it's no boys to men. Certainly not. And it certainly was no uh, Keith David who they got for that opening narration. I fucking called it. I was like, who the fuck is that? That's <laughs> Keith David, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I wrote it down and we got a little that is then this is now you better strap in motherfuckers this is wrestlemania 2000 get, get ready for long <laughs> long long fun times but then we have a uh a very very abrupt cut very early on because ice t was bringing in the godfather and d'lo and i guess that that wound up getting cut because they no longer had the rights or I, I don't understand that because right now, well, right now the WWF is pushing the WWF aggression album, which is the merger of WWF theme songs and rappers, which actually we'll talk about it later. A couple of these turn out a little bit better than I would have expected, but this one has a whole bunch of pimpinate, pimpinate, easy man, like into ad nauseum. But also yeah. how does the do? How does the WWF lose the rights to these songs? <laughs> who, who else wants those rights? <laughs> what are they going to do with a song about the Godfather? Like, who else is going to... What other use is there? So I don't understand how they lost the rights to their own song. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, he spells out the word Godfather. It, you, could, yeah. you can't even avoid it. <laughs> It's a lyric. Mm, so we missed out on Ice-T and whatever uh, shenanigans he would have brought to the party, a la uh, Law & Order SVU. But, but we also, gained a set of braids on the Godfather. Not just that, but D'Lo is dressed in Godfather's clothes. I believe Ice-T is dressed in Godfather's clothes. And unfortunately, <laughs> that meant there's no more Godfather clothes for the Godfather. <laughs> so <laughs> he had to wear something completely different. <laughs> Godfather looked like he was he was a, a swing in Jesus Christ Superstar. Like, 
I I had I had, for, first I had Godfather Superstar is a musical that I 100% want to see in my notes. But then <laughs> but then I really figured out. So so folks, just to picture it, he is wearing a disco ball tunic basically. <laughs> Which made me think that he must have been in the movie Swishbuckler, Swishbucklers with Dr. Francois Petit. Wow. This man isn't pimping. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah, a lot to take in and, and literally no, and we're just dropped in and media res here. Like there's so, <laughs> there's, next thing we know, it's like Godfather and a sparkle tunic. Ice tea is here. There's no explanation. We're like, holy shit. It's WrestleMania 2000 motherfuckers. <laughs> Strap in. Yeah. Wow. If your eyes do not start bleeding immediately, then uh, that's, that's the test for the faculty to see if you're human. Well, and of course, it's also, oh, go ahead. Oh, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say that it, it's also amazing to me how much the crowd eats up the Godfather's like entrance. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I don't know. It's a little boring to me, but man, they fucking love rhymes. Oh, I they love, love rhyming. They love talking about the, about weed. Mm-hmm. Eric, they had to eat something because if they had nothing else in this match, they would have <laughs> starved. Okay. <laughs> Because not only is it the Godfather Dilo, uh, I see against Big Boss Man and Bull Buchanan, and they're gonna open the show with this. <laughs> I feel like can we just do the, let's just do the Godfather's entrance the whole time. Let's just give that the full fifteen minutes or whatever. <laughs> and also somehow lose the rights. Yeah. Let's let's just skip <laughs> skip to the next match I mean, right away. I mean, if we're being honest, the WWF did lose the rights to their own name in case <laughs> <laughs> that also just happened. <laughs> so maybe the problem is they have really bad copyright lawyers. <laughs> it's it, there's just like a bunch of contracts that fall behind the couch and they're like ooh I don't know where any well, of this also, stuff is. I guess I mean we have seen WWF contracts are usually one sentence in 144 <laughs> point font. So maybe honestly this all very much checks out. It's weird because you would think the fine print would be bigger, but somehow they miss all of it. Nobody reads anything before they sign it. It just says song, please, and then that's it. And then they don't they didn't say DVD or anything. It just song, please, and then they're done. <laughs> one page, one page just says ice, and then the next page is just a giant T. <laughs> uh um we don't have to talk about this very much, but um, Bobby, I hope not. Bobby, can you r- run us a little bit through um, this uh, this fly machine creation of Ryback and Roman Reigns that is Bull Buchanan? Um, <laughs> he, he's been kicking around. You might remember him from the Truth Commission. Um, he was one of them ding dongs. I don't. Um, I do not remember him from there at all. He was, That's really funny. He was either sniper and or recon. Honestly, I I I, I, I did look it up and I could not retain it like it just it, it was like a slippery fish in my hands so he was sniper and or recon and now he's back he's bull buchanan i think they see some potential in him and this match was really a showcase for him i did like he had a couple really cool looking spots i do have to say mm-hmm. what he like left yeah the i agree but hit that clothesline even his leg drop looks sick uh it was uh but you know 
no, not, there's no there there. Um, and they just put him in like boss man drag. Everybody's sharing outfits. That's what was cute about this one. <laughs> Everyone was like, here, girl, borrow some of mine. Then you come over, you borrow my clothes. It was like the drag race uh, makeover your buddy challenge from like two weeks oh. ago. That's what this felt like. Uh, they're both the sisters from the same house of boss man. <laughs> oh boy yeah so then but he's with bossman the same way they just did albert with bossman i think in a lot of ways are put in these like young guys with bossman as sort of like a way to give him a little training and a little bit of uh leadership i mean dear god yeah not the boss man i don't want lessons from him yeah (laughs) they're not gonna get the rub from him that's for fucking sure i mean he just he fucking he looks like um, what Vince McMahon, when he closes his eyes and pictures a wrestler, would be. And yes. so there's a whole lot of that, like, trying to make something that just isn't there. There is one point in the match but- where um, where D'Lo is on the ropes, and the two of them start running. And, and at first, I'm like, are they going to do a 619? And no, they just slide through the ropes and punch him in the face, because that's all they can do. And, and honestly, I wouldn't want them to attempt a 619. Yeah. <laughs> But look, I you know, I, Bobby, I think you're right. I, there there were um, there were some some bull moves that I was like, oh, like you know, this is actually kind of interesting. Like he, it was a it was a relatively good um, showcase for him because he did look, you know, he like there were some uh, spots where you know he just looked dominating. Like when he hit somebody, it looked like a hard hit, and it looked like they fell down really quickly. Like he had that brutalness to him that I was like, okay, you know. Maybe there's something there, but uh, you know, it was a good, it was as good a performance as you could probably get out of him, um, you know, given the rest of the match. Yeah, Bull Buchanan's ceiling is not very high, so I liked uh, D'Lo had a good Hurricane Rana um, for, with Bull off of the top rope. I thought that was fine. Um, I will also say. Uh, the hoe train is one of the sloppiest fucking moves I've ever seen. Like, uh, it's not you know obviously not the part where he just like hits a guy in the in the um in the corner, but like the whole wind up, it just looks like he looks a little bit like uh like uh like one of the Stooges, like like Curly trying to do a uh, a wrestling move. Like, oh, his I- arms just kind of flail. There yeah, are I mean, very we... few corner moves I think that look cool, and there's so many that get like I, I think, and I count China's like handspringy back elbow. Same thing, Dana Brooke does it now. I like the Haluva kick. I think is a really good one, a good corner move. But otherwise, I think it always looks like because you can see all the seams, the padding is there, the way they jump kind of like between the turnbuckles to sell being like kind of like pushed forward. Uh, yeah, I just think I think as a finisher, the the Ho Train is one of the most disappointing weak ass looking things we gave my my two-year-old nephew a little too much ice cream last night and he was running around like he was doing the hoe train so yeah i don't think it's the the, the most <laughs> finesse of moves they actually they give uh they give godfather a lot of ice cream right before every match he just sits there <laughs> yeah i this, mean like this week it was iced tea next week it's ice cream <laughs> <laughs> yeah like uh at young aaron i get why you know, you could kind of like the Godfather. He's a good time guy, um, and he's a big dude. And you mm-hmm. know, like he looks like he could be fun. But you know, in reality, uh, I don't really like. There's not a lot of returns for me there, at least for most of this. Like, you know, the stuff with the hose is like whatever. 
the stuff with his moves is really whatever and his entrance fucking sucks so it's like what is there left it's like okay once in a while uh instead of a wrestling match they'll say like hey we don't need to wrestle how about everybody just dance okay (coughs) checking all my boxes to get us out of the, the first match of far too many matches of the evening um it ends with a big leg drop from bull buchanan it looked cool, but also, hey, just a leg drop. And then the Godfather and Bull Cannon just started chasing down the hose like a bunch of creeps. Yeah. Did not like that. Yeah, Bossman and Bull Cannon just, just menacing these women up the stage. No, thank you. No, no thank you on that. We go backstage. Uh, Stephanie and Triple H are looking on. We see Stephanie with the Women's Championship, which happened on the most recent episode of SmackDown. And then we go to the bingo hall where there's the meeting for the hardcore championship match. Viscera brought the brought the cookies. Uh, <laughs> hardcore brought the coffee. They they did a little like AA meeting and then they they talked about the battle royale rules. Um. So the hardcore championship has evolved. Uh, I don't think you've seen that so far, Eric. It's now um kind of the equivalent of the twenty four seven title. It can be defended at any point. All the opponent needs is a referee. So there's been a lot of like stuff at hotels, stuff at airports, on the raws in between. All right. Um. So in this pre, uh, in this promo itself, uh, one of the things. So you know, Tim White goes through what needs to happen, oh, how wait. the belt can change hands. Oh, I'm yeah? sorry, that was Tim White. I thought that was Matt Damon drinking a Dunkin' at a Sox game because I've never heard something so busted in my life as his voice. <laughs> what a setup! All right, guys, we're gonna have these hot cow belt. And I was like, what? Excuse me? Is it? Excuse? Me? I couldn't understand with all that chowder in your mouth. <laughs> now let me ask you something. Do you like apples? <laughs> Go on, you were saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean... Well, ask ask not what these wrestlers can do for you. Um, the, the, I thought... Uh, that joke was a lot more that? fun uh, than, than most of this match. And it started with every single entrance of every single competitor in here. But the match... Well, well, uh, I was going to say before we get there... Um, like the whole like crash standing next to standing next to Tim White as he's explaining the rules and then like doing the worst job of selling that he's talking to a person like he's just like <laughs> like he's like trying to work a like a sesame seed out of his teeth and Tim White goes or the belt may not change hands at all and and crash is like uh-huh like it was absolutely ridiculous uh but then yes we get so many entrances for like, what was it, 13, 14 guys? 13 entrances. Luckily, a couple of t- uh, tag teams in there came in together. There's very early in this match that Jerry Lawler yells, Car wreck, and he has never been more correct in his life. I can't tell even now if I loved or hated this, but I definitely like felt things through it. Uh, I look back at the Hardcore Championship fondly. Yes. But broadly. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? I can't, mm-hmm. like, zero in on, like, moments I love specifically or, like, things that I couldn't wait to receive it. I just remember, in general, it being sort of a fun thing to be around. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's kind of how I feel about this, where I was like, nothing was... 
and then we, I, I do want to talk about the like, specific parts of it, but overall, I was like, okay, that was a, t- a way to be on entertained, sports entertained for a bit. Uh, I fucking this hated t- it. Yeah, to me, this match, this match, like, felt like the hardcore belt. Like, it looked like the hardcore belt to me. It was like just a mishmash of shit. Um, there were some, there were a couple times where I think they got together, but to me, the biggest issue was like, none of it made any sense. Yeah. It was like, the rule is, uh, you want to hold, you want to pin the, the guy who is the champion and you want to hold the belt for as long as you can until 15 minutes is up. So what does everybody do? They run at everybody else except for Crash Holly. One person runs for Crash Holly, and literally, they, he has to go and find people to wrestle with because they're all busy wrestling each other. Mm-hmm. There was like there were like seven minutes where Viscera was just kind of like standing around, and I was like, "Oh, this is like when like somebody's like, hey, hey, I want to play with you guys too," and then like they don't want to play with them, and then when finally somebody makes them play with them, like they're like, "Uh, we're done with this game," and they just go off and do something else, and like you're just left holding like a football. That, to me, you know what I mean? Like, felt like what was going on with Viscera. Like, nobody wanted to fucking wrestle Viscera. But, like, none of it made any sense. Yeah. I think the best part of this match, uh, and I think, uh, I would assume you guys probably agree. I think things were the best when they left the ring into the backstage area. And there's a few reasons why that worked so much better. One, it was because there was less people. And two, because it was more focused. It went from champion to pinfall yes. to pinfall. And so, like, that yes. part had the most drive because it was the most, like, forward momentum in the story. Like, there was the, yes. like, it, it, that made the most, like, uh, analytical sense. And then, Here's- like, there was a bunch of stuff throughout when they're, like, when Taz had, when the Taz was the champion and just was pinning other people for, for, for shits. Right, right. Also, what what does that mean? Like, yeah, it took them nine minutes to get to a point where it was like, oh, Everyone's going to go for the guy who has the belt. I mean, like, literally on a playground, people have played the game like Kill the Man with the Ball, which I know has a a terrible other name, but I always played it as Kill the Man with the Ball. Um, It's like it's a very well-known idea of like everybody go like you're the man with the target on his back and everybody goes after you. They do this in Royal Rumble. How did they not figure out how to do this for the hardcore like Battle Royale. It made no sense. This is a very cool idea that was very poorly executed. And I think the amount of booking that it would take to make this good, um, they just didn't really have in them. Because really what you need to do is you need to to make everybody going towards the person. And then you have the side fights that occur because you are trying to prevent the other people from attacking the person who has the championship and so when it starts and people are just like hitting each other over the head with with uh cookie sheets for no fucking reason it doesn't make sense to me correct um yeah the rules the rules of this and the booking of this like presupposes that everybody involved is a fucking idiot Mm mm-hmm that like nobody nobody knows what they're supposed to be doing taz doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing like everyone, you know, they're just like, oh, well, now is when we wrestle. And at the end of this, someone's going to have the belt. That'll be fun. Uh, and then, uh, you know, then there's like the weird shenanigans that just felt so baked in for no real reason. Like, JR has a candy jar. Okay. Uh, 
I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure that was your candy bar, JR. Right? With Snickers. First of all, that was all hard candy. Yes. We all saw <laughs> that it had multiple colors. There were no, it wasn't like a fucking uh like a like a like what you hold like leave out on your stoop for Halloween when you don't feel like uh like you know dealing with trick or treaters anymore. It was definitely like something that the receptionist at a doctor's office would have. Um yeah, and then and then they're like, oh, but his his hand his his elbow was up or what? Or no, his shoulder was up. But uh, Tim White didn't count a third time. But Tim White also was one of the people who said, yes, it uh, it's hardcore Holly, like absolutely no rules, batshit crazy, and none of it in a good way. Well, look, Tim White was distracted because he was doing figure life modeling for Family Guy uh, as the most <laughs> Rhode Island person they could find. That he was, he's been distracted. Uh, but really, obviously, the ending of this got supremely botched. Uh, it was supposed to go down with uh, hardcore pinning crash, but starting the pin at, like, when there was two seconds left on the clock. So he would get the three, but it'd be just too late. And Tim White apparently, like, had something in his earpiece counting him down. And, like, at some point, something got all fucked up. Uh, and then it, uh, Howard Finkel panicked and like announced hardcore is the winner. Everyone was just like scrambling to like make it make sense in real time. Oh, that's okay. That's funny because like for trying to do such a timed out ending, you'd think that they would have like spent any effort on the beginning. Mm. <laughs> like they like they spent all of it on like okay, well we got to make sure that he tries to pin. At two seconds left, instead of being like, "Hey, what do, what do these guys do for fourteen minutes?" Also, what I, I want have... to know is, I saw I saw somebody in the crowd with a taka sign, and it's like, "How motivated are you to make a taka sign to bring with you to WrestleMania, <laughs> which was so expensive?" And you're like, "I only got one shot. What am I going to make my sign for this WrestleMania?" And you choose taka. I will say, you know what? Um... I saw it and I appreciated it. I will say the two things that I did appreciate about this. I liked that Kai and Tai uh, apparently paid off the APA to help them out. I thought that that was a good bit of story. And it was pretty fucking satisfying to watch Pete Gas with his face covered in blood. It yes, was. I was surprised by that. Yeah. I'm, I'm very surprised that Pete Gas like, like put on the crimson mask. Like you just don't imagine that he's going to go to that level. Um, another question that I that came up during this is Rodney basically going bald. I feel like I've seen a very glaring bald spot a few times on him. I think he's just bleached his hair so many times <laughs> that his actual scalp underneath is just bone white. <laughs> um, I I feel like I was watching the Mean Street Posse a lot in this. I, I mean, I also was thinking I was like, yeah, if I if I already if I somehow lucked my way into wrestling and I managed to get this far that I'm in WrestleMania, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm bleeding. Let's do it. Are you kidding me? Like I, at this point, I'm I, I I'm competing for a belt at WrestleMania. Fuck yeah, I'm bleeding. Let's do this. Ha. <laughs> I, I did wonder. I'm like, would I blade for this? And I thought, no, I would not blade. Oh my god! Uh, I would not take a. Uh, I wouldn't take a shot. I wouldn't blade. Fuck that shit. You wouldn't take a shot. I mean, oh, I mean, we've had some tangential conversations of this, but I would 100 percent take a shot in wrestle to be a uh, to be part of WrestleMania. Yeah, like a headshot, an unprotected. Oh, headshot. oh, like with a chair? No, I thought you meant take a shot like a punch. I would take a punch. I don't think I would take an. Oh, I would take a punch. I wouldn't okay. take a. No, I'm saying I wouldn't take like. 
yeah. any of the any of the things oh i would you know, okay. in a hardcore match i would take a a, a tinfoil trash can to the back or, or yes. a cookie sheet or something like yep. that i would i you know, oh you no would, to the back fine but not to the head i would yeah. not take anything to the head. i would take a i would take a kendo stick to the back not like a 45 time deal but like a once uh, like mm-hmm. a once but i would never do thumbtacks i would never do uh barbed wire even though i don't care i don't, I don't even care if it's literally made of, of scotch tape in actuality i'm not risking it it still seems sharp uh i wouldn't do barbed wire uh and i wouldn't do headshots but other than that i, I this would is be like open to some things this is like one of those like one of those uh kink classifieds like uh open to uh headshots open to <laughs> not open to thumbtacks not going to do vomit play <laughs> Uh, no brown showers, no toilet training. Ooh. Sorry, not to yuck someone's yum out there. Uh, Tory toilet training. Anyway, uh... <laughs> <laughs> WrestleMania access. Um, I'm gonna say that part of me, like, there was part of me that was like, you know what? This sounds like it would have been really cool. Mm-hmm. Like. I thought Jericho gave a really good interview. Um, Big Show, as always, is a fucking snore. You think it would be cool, Eric? Didn't you see how many fans get to say that they got to call a match with Michael Cole? (laughs) You know, uh, here's the here's the thing. I was like, I think I'd want to do that. I think that would be really fun. I thought it was funny that Michael Cole was like, every people here get to meet Howard Finkel. I'm like, okay, (laughs) let's 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 take about fifty percent off Michael Cole. I would definitely want to call a match with somebody and like, you know, just see how it, like I would, I would do, I'd want to do that now. I think as a child, I'd probably just be like, no, take me to the wrestlers, please. But I think now as an adult who is doing this, you know, uh, as a, as a project. Yeah. That'd be super fun. You're yeah. Like, let me go see Kane in script- a t-shirt. <laughs> Send me to the What's script that? supervisor. <laughs> Yeah, like I want to be the guy who has to, you know, I want to, I want to learn what it takes to stock all of the stuff that's underneath the ring <laughs> that everybody reaches for. Like, hey, those tables don't put themselves there. Nobody told Val Venus he didn't have to be in costume in his porn star outfit. Oh wait, that's just what he wears every day. <laughs> well, this is really fun. Uh, we, we love it here. Love the fans. We're. They definitely could have trimmed three minutes from this segment, though. Yeah, I didn't need a bunch of mid-carders giving, like, uh, earnest platitudes. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just being like, you know, it's great that we're here, and the fans are just so great. My fans, thank you. You're like, what? It just was so, yeah. And this is, this uh, uh, this had, like, um, video, the, the like, video testimonials from, like, Steph and uh, Test's wedding energy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you guys, we're so ha- so excited for you. Have the best time. Also, like these events with fans just seem like opportunities for screaming. It just feels like they get a bunch of wrestling fans <laughs> together, round them up between a bunch of security barriers, and then just watch them scream. And like, <laughs> it's just it's a lot of yelling. Um, yeah. The calling commentary seemed fun, but I'm like, I literally do this all the time alone in my apartment. So <laughs> I actually would prefer if my I actually wish Michael Cole wasn't there. I wish I could remove him from the actual broadcast. <laughs> so I don't want him there voluntarily. <laughs> Uh, this went on long, but then we had to come back to Steve Blackman and Al Snow in the bathroom playing Who's in the Stall? Well, it's Tori. Yeah, that was worth it. It's Tori, right? 
Oh man, Trish Stratus is very, very fucking hot. Yes, yes, she is. Um, your first time seeing her, Eric? I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the the cowboy. I mean, she got she got the real she got the budget for uh, for the the women's division, right? Like they were just like, look. We're gonna give you the the duster. We're gone. Say, we're wait, also giving you the cowboy she, hat. Duster, duster, like, it's a very generous way to describe what is essentially a pool float on her back. <laughs> also, <laughs> Eric, you're like, wow, they must have given her the whole budget. How much do you think a cowboy hat is? <laughs> I literally, I literally think they've got fifty dollars for the WWE women's budget. Honestly, they're like, May Moolah, you're getting yours at the thrift store. All right, Trish, <laughs> bring in the bring in Stetson. <laughs> Right, May and Mula are at Beacon's closet, and then uh, they go to um, not not Sharper Image. We always talk about it. What's the other place with an S? Uh, Spencer Gifts. That's Brookstone. Spencer. Oh. Spencer Gifts. Yeah, Spencer Gifts. For the other stuff. Meanwhile, we got four thousand dollars to spend on this foam rubber cheese outfit. <laughs> oh man, that has like assholes in it. Like yep. it has like cheek marks. Yeah, there wasn't really any um, any payoff there either. It was just like, yep, there are some holes. That's it. <laughs> just you know, it got warm in the costume. Well, he he was supposed to be clapping along to to the head cheese chant on his ass, but his arms were too small to reach all the way back there. Haven't even said what the match is. This is uh, head cheese, Al Snow and Steve Blackman against the newly formed T and A, Test and Albert, with Trish Stratish as their manager. Um, huge upgrade for Albert to have a shirt on. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, everything about T and A makes so much sense on paper, and it's like if only not for Tess, like, ability to be like a black hole of charisma, would the idea work? <laughs> it's like Trish Stratus. I mean, just like an unbelievable sight to behold. Mm-hmm. Then test like TNA. It's clever, but it also isn't forced. Their names were Test and Albert. It's like that does all right. I buy it. Um, yeah, and the outfits are fine. And I'm like, and which is honestly asking for a lot already. They're fine. Okay, <laughs> we'll take it. We'll settle it. Fine. We don't need to push it. Fine. And still, they just can't come together here. No, this was, um, I mean, as somebody who really likes Al Snow, we all do. Um, I was just like, oh, what is this? This is, this is not that much fun. There was like, uh, Al Snow had, a an acai moonsault, which I thought was, you know, it's always fun to see them. I will never not be, you know, I'll never not be excited to see one. Um, but then. Not a you know boring match really. Yeah, it wasn't the worst match in the of the night. I think we all know what the distinction that one goes to. But holy shit, these three in a row are starting off WrestleMania. This is not a good sign for things to come. The the attacking Chester McCheesington was just like weird and didn't make any sense. It was just kind of like. You know, if, if again, it felt like uh, like a one hundred and one grad show where you're like, okay, now now's the point where we just devolve into meaninglessness and people are just gonna, uh, you know, well, Al dry S- hump each other on stage. Al Snow, we we know, is so good and was so over as a face for so long, and then his heel turn against mankind made sense within the context of of 
the world that they've created and was actually like a, an emotional moment. This one is just like, okay, I guess I'm evil again now. Yeah. Poor writing. Just really bad writing. Yeah. And then following this up with uh, the cat backstage doing her makeup completely naked. This would have been funny if Austin Powers hadn't done it twice already with May uh, holding things up that obscure her breasts and vagina. Yeah, it was... I mean, first of all, uh, doing her makeup naked, as is, you know, most... As is the custom, right? The the first thing you put on is your makeup, and then everything... And then underwear, and then everything else. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to the good stuff. First, the Dudley Boys promo. Uh, Devon and Bubba Ray don't have to go that hard every single time, but I thank them for doing it every single time. Yeah, Bubba Bubba Ray looks like he is, like... Um, he just, he looks like he's like looking, he's constantly just looking at the apocalypse. Yeah. You just distilled murder into a person and I love it. Yeah. And so the match is a triangle ladder match for the tag team championship currently held by the Dudley boys featuring the Hardy boys featuring edge and Christian. And this is just spot after incredible spot. Yes. It's awesome. Yeah, it. Oh God, I wrote. I just like. I just wrote spots. That's all I did uh, for my notes. <laughs> it was just like corkscrew moonsault, four fifty splash onto a ladder, cross body slash from a ladder to outside the ring, uh, and then they and like people have been chanting tables the entire match, and then like Devon and, and Bubba Ray like look at each other. And just like start going under and getting the tables, and everybody flips the fuck out. Uh, God, uh, when what was it? When Jeff did the the Swanton bomb off of the ladder onto Bubba Ray through the table, just oh, so good. That spot is so. I mean, that spot's always in recap packages. And what I love about these matches, and you'll see them as we go on, that the way that like spots build and evolve and you can like Mm -hmm. see them do something one way in one match and like almost a callback to it or a heightening or a twist on it in other ones. Like they, they, they iterate on things in a way that's like so satisfying. Yes. Yes. Agreed. There's a lot of like, like building on top. Yeah. Building on top of other things. And so we talked a lot in our Slammy episode about just how great the Hardy Boys and Edge and Christian were. And and just the the level of beautiful action that the two those two teams brought together. And so now adding the Dudley Boys in, there's now a level of grittiness and and of real violence to what before was was like a murder ballet almost. And and now there's cuz cuz this one here, I I think Eric you you hit the the nail on the head. This one while it was really good, it entered into great levels once the Dudleys started pulling out the tables. And not just because of the tables, just because this added an extra dimension, something new that we haven't seen within these type of matches before. Yeah, the the Dudleys, what the Dudleys are, I was trying to, com- th- I, I think when I was watching this, I had the perfect comparison and I, I just didn't write it down because I was just watching and thinking about it. But... Um, the Dudleys are like the Acolytes, except they play with Legos. <laughs> like the Acolytes, that's what it was, right? Because the Acolytes uh-huh. are brutal and they will beat out, they will beat 
people down and just like pummel them on the ground until they won't stand up again. And the Dudleys will do that too, but the Dudleys want to set up some like, you know, erector sets and just like they want, they like to put tables together. They like to put ladders together. They like to put them on top of each other. And then they want to put everybody through those things. But you know, it's like the same kind of like, yeah, the violence that, that the acolytes also kind of have in them. I wish the uh, that the announce team was quite up to the task this time around. JR, get some pictures, study them. Edge and can, Christian, yeah, Matt can we and make Jeff. Him a, can we make him a fucking cheat sheet that he can just reference? <laughs> like, just print him out? He, he, can we write it on his hand? And then and then Jerry Lawler kept talking about that crazy camera angle. It's looking down at the ring, King. It's not that insane. They kept saying this was all their WrestleMania debuts, and this show does have a ton of WrestleMania debuts. But it's not Edge's, didn't Because it? it wasn't the, the match with Sable at WrestleMania that we watched? Yeah, I think so. I thought so. 15, maybe, yeah. When, when it was the um, the mixed tag. Maybe it was a wrestling debut for Edge and Christian as a team. Maybe, I guess that's, but that, I don't know. It just didn't seem very, and a lot of the research I did also kept like referring to this as their, all their WrestleMania debuts and listing as well with like uh, Jericho and Benoit and Kurt Angle, China, etc. China. Wait, this was China's WrestleMania debut? As a in-ring competitor. Oh. That one is okay. definitely qualified as her wrestling debut, but. But yeah, Edge wrestled. This... He wrestled with Sable. I mean, I guess unless you don't count that as wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, this was a this is an amazing match. Um, this was yeah, this is the one that's a, that's a, that's like you know worth remembering. Definitely. I mean, just when when Bubba Ray pulls out the big ladder finally, Jeff shirtless climbing hits that Swanton bomb. But then it's not over yet. Still, we still got this creation in the middle of the ring with the three guys on top and Matt's got his hands on the title and him getting pushed off for one more table spot before Edge and Christian take it. Loved it. It was great. Yeah. I liked them. I liked um, Christian and Jeff from the top of the ladder all the way to the, to the floor. Oh, damn. Damn. Yep. That's a yep. fucking sick spot, but gotta wait. It's gotta wait. Um, and I really liked, uh, obviously the Isle Swan time, which we've, we've gone over. Um, but I just think, the, I, I, I think the Dudleys, you know, everyone has the edge of Christian, the Hardys, the Dudleys, they add something. And I think that what always strikes me is like Bubba always seems like such a safe worker, like such mm-hmm. a safe worker. Like you see all these six spots and even though it, it's like, God, that's gotta be brutal. It's like, at no point did I worry about how Matt Hardy landed. Like, mm-hmm. I know, like, I just feel like any very power bomb, every, like, he just has a way of making sure everyone's sort of adjusted and where they need to be. Um, and then it, it makes sense then why he's trusted to do so many um, spots to folks who may not be active competitors, because you can tell that he sort of, like, knows what he's doing. Yeah, I'm, I actually, you know, even with the, the Swanton bomb, the Swanton bomb um, I got that feeling like you could kind of see, I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful move. And you can kind of see how, uh, you know, Jeff basically like lands on the table, like next to Bubba Ray. And, and you know, he kind of like uh, lands and is able to push off onto his, you know, like roll onto his feet. 
because of the way he did it. Like there were some really cool, like there were moves that yeah looked really cool and did not look like they were actually were hurting the people, you know, any of the people involved in it. Um, you know, Jeff as well. Although there are definitely times where he looks like he also just doesn't give a shit and will put his body through a disaster. Oh, Jeff is very safe with everybody else. It's with himself that he just doesn't give a fuck about. Right. So this match ends. We go backstage with Kevin Kelly, and I know Linda McMahon is talking, but all I could hear is Charlie Brown's parents in my ear. It's amazing to me that she's the face of the of the McMahons, right? Like she's the she's supposed to be the good one. Hmm. Luckily, we've got Mick there, letting us know that he believes in fairy tales for himself, and he's going to take it tonight. I feel like such a fucking mark because I wrote, I am so excited for the main event. Why did I even, why did I say that? (laughs) Well, you had to be excited about something because following this, Val Venus makes his way to the ring and lets us all know that while WrestleMania comes only once a year, he comes every night and then apparently practices calligraphy with it. I was going to say that's, that's the font, right? The font on his shirt is cum. Uh, (laughs) Val Venus is wearing a cum shirt. Yep, my, my note just says Val Venus cum shirt. So <laughs> I think we all kind of captured this. Uh, yeah, And honestly, honestly, we don't even need to talk about the rest of the match. The rest of the match sucked. It, I don't even understand what the point of this was. It was terrible. People, uh, man, the lengths some of the online reviews of this show went to describe this shirt. I believe my favorite was one, and I cannot believe I am saying this out loud, Man Milk. And look, as someone who, who finds themselves having to often come up with new, exciting, descriptive ways to talk about cum, that one has never crossed my mind. Because <laughs> as we've already decided and discussed, drinking milk is disgusting. And that's not how I feel about cum. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> but the shirt um, says, it says, I'm cocked on the front. On the back, it says locked and ready to unload. I mean, subtlety is not a factor here. (laughs) Okay. It was a lot. There are children. And someone's walking around in a t-shirt that income says I'm cocked. And that's just it. And that's the only messaging. I I haven't seen this much talk about cum since Bridgerton. Am I right? Okay. (laughs) Um... The one thing, the only thing that I'm going to give any credit for is it is insane that the cat and Terry are able to to move around the way that they do in the boots that they are forced to wear for this. Yeah. That's it. That's the only... Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. When May kissed Val, I thought that was funny. <laughs> I like when May tried to take her puppies out. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. So, anything not may young associated with with this cat fight between terry runnels and the cat should be uh just scoured and destroyed and placed in a vault saying uh do ne- never watch never destroy but here's my thing what's the cat's deal you know what i mean like no clue how is she this popular like terry i at least kind of like understand her personality it's like what is the cat like, I really don't get it. I don't get what the character is. I don't get what she's supposed to be. I don't get sometimes if she's a good a villain, a face or a heel. I, I don't get it. She's hot and she showed us her tits. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. 
She's a, she's more of a good time gal. Huh. I don't know, man. Terry seems like a real good time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Terry seems dope as hell. I don't hell. think that the cat seems like a better time gal than Terry. That's for sure. That's yeah, but but, bit. but who's a better time? Yeah, but gal? Terry, Terry, Terry's never. You know, Terry's only hinted at. She's never. You know, she's only had wardrobe malfunctions. The cat has actually actively flashed. Well, Terry can't because, as we all know, she still has hundred dollar bills attached to her breasts. Yeah, I she, know it's it's her disability. She can't show her nipples, Eric. God. <laughs> <laughs> and then bringing another sexy storyline into the mix, we go backstage where Eddie Guerrero says that China cannot take his Latino heat. I Meaning, wish he never said that. Uh, I don't. I mean, I, I I'm glad. I, I like that he said that. Uh, what I don't like is Jerry the King Lawler screeching Latino heat. That's a phrase that we will hear over and over and over again for far too long. Right. That's the problem. I mean, I'm fine with Eddie Guerrero saying it. I'm, I fucking couldn't stand Lawler saying it over and over in that terrible fucking accent. Uh, also of note, Dean Malenko has captured the light heavyweight championship from S.A. Rios. Stinko Malenko. <laughs> I was curious about why China was with Too Cool, just because. Um, no, it's just been kind of like a um, an, an enemy of my enemy. The uh, along the way, um, since Jericho was also feuding with with members of this as well, especially Benoit, and she was aligned with Jericho. That's just kind of been a lot of intermingling. Too cool as over as they are, and Rikishi as over as he is. There's been just a lot of intersection of the storylines, so the faces have been aligning against against the heels together. I mean, later in, in the evening, we get Rikishi matched up with Kane, so there's not too much thought that's been putting in a lot of these. They don't guys. really know what they're doing with these guys, right? Um. During this match, someone shouted to China, show us your bulldogs, which take for what you will. Although China, I think, really um, shows that she was deserving of my award for best dressed slammy with those jazzy pants of hers. A lot of good they did her in the end. Like they were the yeah, right? <laughs> those things broke. They, they should have, again, they should have spent more of the budget on China, less of the budget on Trish Stratus's cowboy hat. Well, if she's wearing Chris Trash's duster, she could have just like fell back like a crash pad and not have to worry about anything. <laughs> um, I have to admit something to you guys, just of, of how big a dummy I can be sometimes, that I thought that Brian Christopher actually went and got Cancun braids, that they were not sewn into the do-rag. <laughs> mm, that's pretty funny. So at some point he like took, you know, eight or 10 months off to grow his hair out to the length that you could do that. I'm just saying we haven't seen, we didn't see too much for a very long time until they came back as too cool. I didn't think it was outside of the realm of possibility. <laughs> um, I actually, it's funny. I, I was, I didn't, I just never thought about it. Like I was just like, Oh, oh, okay. He's got the uh, the braids in on the do rag. Oh, okay. I just, I guess, I just never, never like, I never questioned the 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 illusion. This one is just I, a fun match for me, though. Um, I, I China's dick heavy offense 
right in front of the referee was a little weird, but he was letting them go. Yeah, um, she I thought. <laughs> Whoa, I thought this was fine. Um, I thought Eddie Guerrero was doing a lot of like the typical heel work. Mm-hmm. Some of it I didn't quite buy. Um, like I don't know. I just kind of like for the way he would go running out of the out of the ring. I felt like I had seen that kind of heel work back like in 96 maybe um i haven't seen that kind of heel work for a while so it felt a little bit like uh anachronistic to me um i also thought that the that this division makes china look really good because uh with this group like it like you know to see her get a hot tag it looks like pretty believable I was because it's a lot of smaller guys, and these are really technically gifted wrestlers. Yeah, with like a yeah. lot of experience, they can really help um, cover any like areas she may be weak in. And she looks particularly strong being able to toss around, you know, Stinkle Malenko. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah, so many guys in this match can go, and that's why I think it, it wound up being a really fun thing. And and it was it was a little bit more of a story here than they've been caring to tell in a lot of these matches. I also thought it was sweet that everyone was trying to help trying to keep her pants up at the end. Hmm. Like I, I saw Scotty too hottie kind of like holding her pants as she was getting out of the ring. And I was like, Oh, that's really nice. So after this, we see Bridget, Bridget from answering Allentown. the door, <laughs> cigarette in hand. <laughs> wow. Honestly, at, at first I, there was, there was a, a little bit of judgment, but, but fuck good for her. I'm so happy for her flying on a plane for She's, the first yeah. time. Going first class. A private plane. Yeah. First class. Oh, yeah. Private plane. That was a private yeah. jet. Being able to. Yeah. That's, that's better than first class. She brought her husband. Uh, her husband. Ooh, what was going on with that with that hair? Very on brand. Uh, and I did listen. I, I love to see Anthony that are smoking and then just continue to smoke through the segment. It was like, even when she yeah. realized it was happening, she's like, no, I'm not done. <laughs> so. I love that she was like, oh, I'm just going to keep rolling with this. And then I thought she might have been smoking on the plane, and I was, like, determined to go back and literally did, like, a frame-by-frame JFK assassination analysis, and it wasn't. It was just a champagne flute. Um, but I was hoping she was smoking on the plane. Yeah. I thought it for a second, too. Um, I call this Allentown chic. Oh, yes. Um, I also what? wrote down Allentown. So, I think it was important to note. <laughs> yes. Everything about this felt extremely Allentown. What? Okay, what was her husband wearing? Was that, Is that a do-rag or is that something else? Because, like, like, his hair seemed to go under it, so it didn't seem to kind of be, like, have the same um, function of a do-rag, but I, I don't know what to call it. Like a skull cap? I don't know. I feel like I looked at him and there was like almost too much information for me to process at once. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw, you know, a map of Pennsylvania with Allentown circled every time I looked at them. That's all I saw. <laughs> I'm looking at a picture right now and I cannot parse out what that is. If you know, tweet at us. Do you know what the guy from what the husband from Allentown is wearing? It's like a it, it's a it's like a spatzel sandwich from Wawa. Is that what it is he's wearing? Is that that's what I think in my face? <laughs> they call it scrapple. a hoagie. It's some scrap. It's a scrapple sandwich from Wawa. That's what it is. <laughs> Big nasty bastard. 
Oh, God. The big snore. Yeah. That's yeah. Not, it's not going to happen, Big Show. Don't try to make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> the big show's over. Go home. Like, he, everything was like, oh, he, is he the game? It's going to be game over. Oh, is he the most electrifying uh, man in entertainment sports history? Well, uh, better not stand near a puddle because, you know, you won't be grounded and you, you'll accidentally shock other people. Uh, I should probably unplug you. Uh, mankind, more like man. Like unkind, <laughs> the worst. Woman, mean. <laughs> <laughs> Woman, mean. So Kurt Angle attacked Bob Backlund on heat. <laughs> no, that's the best way to move on. Yeah, just who cares. Uh, and then we get uh, this has been been a running bit where where Kurt Angle is just keeps going on and on talking to security guards who couldn't care less about whatever he has to say. Okay. And then Jericho comes in with his Kirk Angle, A- Kirk Angel, and Mister Roboto bit. Good stuff. Um, good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. This is this is a very very solid showing here. So we've got they're, Jericho, they're, Benoit, yeah. and Angle for both the Intercontinental and the European Championship. The first pin will be for the Intercontinental Championship. The second one will be for the European. I did not realize that was the case. And so I was like, oh, okay. They're just going to – like I was like, oh, I didn't realize they're doing like two continuous matches back to back. I thought it was just going to be whoever wins wins both belts. But that's a that's an interesting way to separate the belts. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought like – to me, yeah, this was a this was like a solid match. It wasn't like amazing, but what it felt like to me it was it was establishing a different kind of wrestling in WWE. Like there was a different style being done. It was like more, you know, the WCW style coming in, like more grappling, uh more, you know, like like less brawling, more moves. And Angle is especially suited for that from his background. And we've seen before Jericho and Benoit have gone together all around the world. So there's no reason why this wouldn't have been just a very, very solid showing for all three members. My favorite quote is um, uh, JR is talking about like how Benoit wants to bring the the gold with him back to Edmonton. uh, And, uh, and King goes, what's in Edmonton? And Jared goes, that's where he lives. <laughs> Lawler just goes, ugh. <laughs> and I'm like, honestly, you have described Edmonton. That place fucking sucks. And I don't have a lot of notes for this match just because I was watching it. I think it's really, really smart that um, both of the pins happened not on angle so he loses both belts he's got something to gripe about because we know that angle when he has something to complain about is when he's at his best at least in this incarnation it allows the story to move on next up the question was will vince be a factor and he guarantees that he will make things right Triple H, meanwhile, says he will win because he's that damn good, to which Stephanie goes, woo! (laughs) Uh, So, Triple H, 
something sounded like he was eating something during this promo. He definitely like he seemed like he had like 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 tobacco in the in his cheek or something going on. I don't know. I wasn't paying that much attention at this point. Yeah, I didn't get that. Um, following this up, I do have to say I like the DX Run DMC entrance. Yeah, it's an improvement. It's a huge improvement on on a shitty band making this music. Yes, agreed. Talking about uh, what sh- happened? Sorry, and talking about shitty bands making music. Road Dog, with his extended entrance here, is a lot like uh, Bart Simpson on Conan O'Brien. Just just say the line. Yeah. We don't need the extra stuff. Yeah, where was um? Where was Badass? Or, I don't know, Mr. Ass. Remember, he was out with the children. Oh, he's injured. He's injured. Yes. He's injured. Right, right, right. Uh, Rikishi looks dope as fuck coming to the ring with that uh, with a huge lay around his neck. Um, Bobby, I in this match, I, I came to your side. I got to agree. I definitely was looking on the ass-based offense with the eyes of myself at 18 years old and that level of enjoyment that I got out of it, but he's so much better than that. Yeah. Yeah. And they did it a lot. I mean, like, thank God this match was like short, but they did it too much for even a short match. And even like, why does Rikishi want to stink face Tori? Like, what is he getting out of that? Yeah, why does I mean the whole the crowd was so excited about Tori getting hurt. They really wanted it to happen. And I understand it with Kane because we've been through so much with this story and thank God the Kane Xbox story can finally come to a close cuz this saga has been going on for far too long. Allegedly uh, X-Pac was offered a, a WrestleMania match with Chris Jericho, but he opted instead to want to finish his feud with Kane. Well, he should have done that at <laughs> No Way Out. Allegedly. Allegedly, that's out there, but that is a story that is out there. So, like, why did he just not like Jericho? I don't know. So this is a bigger match. would be a bigger spot. Um, okay. It- Sucked as a match. I did not enjoy it. Well, and yeah, then everything it, after sucked and was so long and sucked all the energy. Out okay, of okay, okay, okay. But Paul Bear doing a uh, crotch chop. That was pretty good. <laughs> okay. Ha. You got to admit, it was hard not to like that. <laughs> Do I? I don't know. I, I, I like so, deranged Paul. I like I like this Paul Bearer. I like, I, I like campy Paul Bearer. Paul Bearer chasing Tori around the ring like he like he's a goblin of some kind. Yeah, I like Paul Bearer as John Waters. Okay. One thing I don't understand, I don't know if I uh, fully understand is okay. So we've continued our three year streak of Kane, uh, Kane versus Pete Rose for some unknown reason. I don't know why they they figure that this is a runner that they want to keep with. But, like, they're able to say the word baseball. They've said, ba- they're like, baseball's Pete Rose. Baseball, baseball. And yet, when Pete Rose comes into the ring, they say, or, or no, when um, when Kane goes after the, uh, what was it? The, the San Diego the, chicken? The, the San Diego chicken, who they thought was Pete Rose. They said, 
You should have brought your ball bat, Pete. Should have brought your ball bat. Like, just say baseball bat. Just say, just say base. It's one extra, le- one extra syllable. You can say it. And then, so, so Pete Rose finally does show up with said ball bat, gets chokeslammed by Kane, and then gets a stink face from Rikishi. Again, there's no reason for Rikishi to, to want to humiliate this person other than the fact that he's teamed up with Kane for tonight. But then, even then, the stink face is all wrong because the whole point of the stink face is the humiliation and the look of disgust on his face was, but while Pete was playing it as he was unconscious as all of this was happening to him. Well, he'll be conscious of it when he wakes up and smells it on his face or whatever, I guess. is like, <laughs> what the... <sighs> All right, let's get back to, past this dumb shit and get to the Wait, rest of the dumb shit. Did we did we at least go over? I don't know if I forgot if I brought this up previously that like Rikishi's whole ass based stuff came directly from Vince, and that uh, Vince that wanted sense. one of his big regrets from doing Yokozuna was putting him in those long pants, and he was like, "What if Yokozuna but ass?" And that's how we got to Rikishi. <laughs> little, little history for you, a little asterisk. Yeah. Not uh, not one of your better ideas, Vince. This was also the same time where he was starting to develop the XFL, so we all know what his brain was working on. So then we've got a rock promo, and, and I would hope, Eric, that you liked this rock promo because talking about direction, talking about what all the other people are trying to get out of this match and how he's going to overcome that in order to win, I think that this... I've listened to your concerns about it, but I would say that this was addresses those concerns well. Yeah, um, I did like this one. Um, I thought that he brought really good energy. Um, he, yeah, he he wasn't he didn't have as much of a crutch going on. Um, so yeah, I was into it. Yeah, I liked this promo a lot. I thought it was very believable, and I thought it was very. Um, passionate and it felt like appropriate like I think this like really like set the stakes and really like was like okay here it is main event Wrestlemania it really added some gravitas to things that like big nasty bastard just couldn't and then we get the parade of stars at Wrestlemania Michael Clark Duncan who's having the best time Martin Short who's probably a good dad we've got Dustin Michael Clark Duncan was there with the mouse from uh, the Green Mile (laughs) Had him in his pocket. Had Dustin Diamond, R.I.P. Just being the worst. And then French Stewart. Those are the four stars of WrestleMania. With some girl? Who is the girl? That She's somebody, right? They mentioned her, sort of. I don't. I couldn't quite follow. They and also men- didn't care about going back. They were mentioning some athlete who... Uh, some Super Bowl winner at that point. Uh, Terry Holt, I think it was... Um, I don't know. Not worth Again, not worth it. So we get to the main event here. And the main event of this is Mick Foley versus The Rock versus The Big Show versus Triple H for the WWF Championship. But along the way, each of them has picked up a McMahon in their corner. Um, I don't like this. Uh, I... <laughs> Um, okay. I don't like this because in, in going over our Slammy Awards again, I gave The Rock Superstar of the Year. I gave Triple H Heel of the Year. And I think that is the money match. 
I like adding Mick Foley because it was his dream to main event WrestleMania. However, I think that this suffers from a sin of the previous year where I think The Rock versus Austin would have been stronger with Mick Foley in considering how things had gone back and forth between The Rock and Mick Foley at that point. I think that's the point where you pay him his due and put that in there where it robs that Hell in a Cell match of a lot of its power and a lot of its gravitas from having him in here. The Big Show adds nothing other than the three of them teaming up against him early on. And just the more focus that we have on McMahon bullshit is not doing the company any favors at this point. When you've got so many legitimate stars that you've built up and the focus should be on them. Yeah. um, Like they... You know, I I was like, oh, a, f- a fatal four way, and like I was excited for Mick to be, you know, to have his match at WrestleMania. That part I was excited about. But yeah, like four people, and one of them is Big Show, and like knowing that they don't really always know how to do four guys in a ring very well in terms of storytelling and and how to make it work. I was like, I, I found myself just being like, oh, this is one of those like too many elements is kind of ruining it. It's it's gilding the lily, um, except that Big Show is not gold. Well, um, <laughs> everything here, like, all the pieces were in place. Like, not every WrestleMania, I think, has, like, a built-in story where it's, like, obvious, like, what the match should be and what the winner should be and what the fans want. But this one, like, very much so did. Like, this was very much so the mania that should have been Rock, Triple H, and a singles match. By the way, the only singles match on the show was Terry and the Cat. Um... <laughs> So there should have been wow. a singles match between Rock and Triple H alone, and Rock had the momentum, and, ha- and it, it was the moment to give him the big WrestleMania win. And, it, and I think like this whole pay-per-view is looked on less fondly, I think, because of that. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, well, obviously, Big Show needs to go because everyone else makes more sense in this place. Big Show does not at all. Um, you know, I don't care what they tried to work into the whole Royal Rumble if it wasn't that interesting. Um, it got better, I think, when it got down to three. But but even then, I just I had a lot of problems with with motivation and the character development that these three, the three in the end there, have had some of the most character development over the past year. And you can tell me that Mick Foley wants the championship more than anything else and wants that WrestleMania moment more than anything else, but I still don't buy him turning on The Rock when he and The Rock could take out Triple H and then could have their moment together. That seems like what the Mick Foley of this era would have done. Yeah, I didn't buy what what like how that went down. How they went from three to two kind of was just like, oh, okay. I guess like yeah, the when Mick turning on him, um, yeah, you're right. Didn't make it. It didn't make much sense. I was expecting it to go a different way, but it did. It couldn't go a different way because of how the story was supposed to proceed. And then talking about the story itself too here. So we have the Vince double cross, Vince heel turn where he changes his allegiance and attacks um, the rock with a chair setting up for the triple H win after some, uh, like some decent spots between 
Shane and Vince. But again, I don't want to see Shane and Vince. I want to see The Rock and Triple H. But in the match, there's a moment where Vince attacks Triple H. So are we to believe that he's been being like conflicted throughout this match as far as what he's going to do? And if so, then why during his promo does he say that earlier in the night that he's going to set things right? Where That's the story. He's setting things right with the family. He's, he's getting back together with his daughter. He's accepting Triple H as his son-in-law, which is fine. But it, it, I think it sacrifices what could have been a really, really cool moment in here. Yeah, I don't think I think none of it makes any sense, right? Mm-hmm. The the logic doesn't follow. Oh no, not my fave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I like you watch this as a match that happens, and you know it's a big shocker for a heel to win at WrestleMania. Like that's a really big um, deal uh that for a heel to go over in the main event and so this was the time and it's, and it's still to this day like very controversial like there are people that strictly believe that no matter what under no circumstance should a heel leave wrestlemania uh the winner it should always the face should always go over at mania sort of like the ending of every movie the heroes always win they always get the girl blah 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 like no matter what you eventually get to that ending and without it the story is incomplete and the mania should be the conclusion of all those of that story yeah, when you set up WrestleMania as as the end of the season and also kind of the beginning of the season as well, it, it, it makes sense. I mean, we've had some great heel victories at Mania in recent years. The Seth Rollins one is the one that stands out to me the most uh, when he cashes in the money in the bank at 32. But I, I understand that sentiment there. Yeah, I don't personally ascribe to that. Um, I To me, the disappointment here was just too much of the overbooking. Mm-hmm. And I think I that's and, yeah, and, and I think that's just kind of the sin of this entire pay-per-view is that they thought a little bit too hard where it just like, hey guys, you've got the biggest wrestling promotion in the world. You've got some legitimate stars that and stars that are starting to transcend. Keep it simple. Yeah, like I, I really didn't need to see anything with the McMahons at all. Like I didn't need to, I don't care what's going on with their family. I really don't. Like none of it is interesting to me. It's not interesting to me to see if Shane and 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 Vince are getting along, or or to see like how Vince and and Stephanie are doing. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter. I'm not gonna tune into Raw to see how much of the company Vince McMahon decides to gift to his new son-in-law and the contract signing of that. Yes, the 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 one thing. Uh, that I did enjoy in this match the, for the most was Michael Clark Duncan, who got <laughs> so into this and was just like screaming in, I think it was maybe Triple H's face. Uh, at one point, uh, he was yelling at Shane and Shane made him flinch, which I thought was extremely funny. <laughs> um, also, uh, uh, JR is saying that, that Vince is... He seems like he's losing blood by the court. And I'm pretty sure we only have like four quarts of blood in us. Like, right? Like, aren't there only eight pints of blood in a human body? So, like, how much blood do you think is coming out of that one single gash in his forehead? (laughs) All right, guys. Ready to call it on this WrestleMania? Wait, we haven't talked about the, the very end. 
the endingest end of it. What do you want to say about uh, the, it? The, the the rock bottom on uh, Steph. The rock bottom on Steph. This is the first time we're really seeing Stephanie take a take bumps here. And well, actually, I don't know if the women's title match went, but this is a big spot for her, a big physical spot. And uh, it's the rock. It's a face moment. It's ending the show still in a big face moment, but it is still a straight up uh, attack a woman, <laughs> like yeah. an absolutely like unjustified, like unnecessary, un earned uh unexplained uh attack on a woman for the big face mm-hmm. to go home on a big pop which was just like it just felt bad mm-hmm. yeah and for that to be the final attack like after after triple h is already out after vince after shane it's like stephanie is the one that, that we're going to end this night on well he got taken you know over the line you know she slapped him no i, don't, I didn't, didn't like it did not like it no, that shit sucked. I did like seeing a full beer get thrown at Vince, like a full beer. Yeah. It was people like uh, I think they deserved all of the garbage being thrown at them. And I, I bet they thought that that was a good thing. Right. Yeah. They were like, oh, this is great heat. No, man. Fuck you. Well, we'll see what comes of this. But first, for years, WWE hosted a yearly award show called the Slammy Awards. And we end each episode of Hell in a Cell Phone with our own version of the Slammys and a segment we call For Your Reconsideration. I'm giving my Slammy for Flavor Country to the to Allentown, Pennsylvania for producing our winner of that contest. And I wish that she was a part of every show and they would just cut to her in the back being, being like, me? I'm just drinking my first Shasta McNasty and I'm so excited <laughs> to meet all you fancy people. You know, I never spit into catering before. Uh, just like smoking all, the lo- all along the way. Uh, very nice. I'll, I'll go. Um... So I have I have one um, honorable mention, which was uh, is the uh, it's not going to happen, dude. Uh, moment to the one guy who, when Triple H like went from one announce table uh, into another announce table, I think you know with Rock on it to break that table down, one guy started going, "Holy shit! Holy shit!" and nobody picked it up. Oh, like poor guy. <laughs> Right, like everybody was on board during the, the the triangle ladder match, man. You should have gotten it out then. Don't try to force it. It's not it's not cool. Uh, but I'm gonna give my future bootlicker award to the one kid in the audience who was holding up a sign that said. Let me go to my notes. Um, I love boss man and bull. fuck you dude that had to be his kid (laughs) (laughs) what you you think that's a real fan you fucking rube you idiot all right and i'm just gonna go with the better luck next year award where eric i promise you wrestlemania x7 as it will be called will be something worth the wait Love us? Disagree? Want to make us jump off a ladder through a table? Let us know. Email us at hellinacellphone at gmail.com. Get, up, get updates on Facebook or Twitter at Hell in a Cell Pod, or tweet at us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slow Pass. Our theme song is There Are Traitors in Our Midst by Disco Vietnam, and our artist by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back again with another episode next week and join us again soon for Backlash 2000. 
Guys, 90 minutes. We did like officially uh, like under half of what the actual runtime of the <laughs> pay-per-view was. We'll just wait till yeah. we release the Snyder Cut of this episode. It'll be a full <laughs> four hours long. We're going to reshoot, is this... re-record parts of it. Is it. Wait, is this the one where Aaron says fuck? And it's like, whoa. <laughs> Listen, we wrestle in a society. <laughs> <laughs>